You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. One hundred and one is our membership class. If you're interested in joining the church at Rutledge, or if you just want to know more about us, what we believe, how things function around here, what are we trying to do? Uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there. Come to that class. It's April twenty-third. Meal and childcare provided, and uh, that's how you find out more about us and how you join the church. Uh, Wednesday, April twelfth, uh, for home teams, we're going to do a service here uh, all together. And uh, I'm going to do a message about the cross. Uh, it's kind of a Good Friday kind of thing, but on a Wednesday. And so uh, we're going to talk about that that evening. So we'll all be here together. And even if you don't go to a home team, just come here Wednesday night. We'll have a service here. Uh, there'll be a big wooden cross out here. We'll, we'll talk about the, in detail what the cross, everything from what it would have really looked like to how it would have been done to what all that meant. And so it'll be very... Um, detailed and educational and and help you uh, hopefully in your understanding of what Christ did for you. Uh, and then April 16th, of course, is Easter. So hope you're getting ready for that and uh, ready to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus with us uh, on the 16th. But today, if today is your first time with us or if you've just been here a few times, we're glad you're here. And like I said, want to make you just make yourself at home and let us know how we can help you, because that's why we're here, is to help each other. Life's tough enough by yourself. Uh, we're all in this together, just walking through, trying to understand uh, what God made us for and what we're to do. And so uh, we're in this together, and we just want to help each other. And so today we're continuing a series of messages. Uh, but don't worry, I'll just give you a little bit of background, and today will make sense all on, on its own. But if you do want to go back and... Uh, listen to any of our sermons. They are online message series uh, at our website, and so you can check that out there. But uh, real quick stroll down memory lane. I came across this. You know how Facebook gives you that anniversary stuff uh, every now and then. This is four years ago today was the groundbreaking of this property and this building, and so that's pretty cool. That is four years ago today. And there's Talon and Emmanuel, Jalen, Abby, Cole, Aslan, and Hosiah, right? Did I get that all correct? Okay, but that's awesome. And they're all with us, Emmanuel up here. Um, they've grown in four years. It goes by fast, but it was just an interesting photo that came up on Facebook, and I reposted it because it's just a great memory. of. And we've been in this building. Uh, it'll be... See, in August, this coming August, will be four years in the building, uh, but we broke ground in April. Um, is that correct? It'll be three years in the building. It'll be three years in the building? Four years in the building. I don't know. Math. Okay. Anyway, but I'm just thankful for this church and the environment and that we've, our people have created uh, for people to come and explore their faith and or be introduced to Jesus Christ and that we have a place where we're always looking to reach out to those far from God, that we have that perspective of lost people aren't the problem. They're the reason we're here and we're, you know, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and he cares most about people. 
Jesus loves you more than anybody, knowing the worst about you, and so that's what we're here for. And, and we just want to bring honor and glory to Christ in completing the mission he has given us and that he started and, and just honor him in that. So we've been talking about fishing in that. That's what all this stuff up here is for. Came in here earlier this week and there was a TV here, a flat screen and some controllers and stuff. And so I think this actually has some secret purposes to it behind, that I don't realize during the week. There's probably really drinks in here and probably snacks in one, and this becomes a little hangout uh, during the week of some kind but uh, where the youth come, come hang out. But um, it was interesting. I saw that, and I went, i got to start snooping around here during the week and figure out what's going on, see if I can get in on it. But um, it, it's been, we've been talking about fishing now, given the weather, and it's been beautiful yesterday, and looks like it's going to be great today. It's not the kind of fishing you're probably thinking but it's awesome nonetheless, but we've been talking about a different kind of fishing. We've been talking about what Jesus talked about when he called his first disciples and he came across these guys and with four of them, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And, and we're talking about what he meant by that. He, he didn't say, come follow me and I'll make you uh, a better person, more intelligent, more organized, wealthier, better husbands, healthier, although I, I would take probably any of those. But no, the thing, out of everything he could have said to them, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. To follow is to fish. And so the implication there being, if we're not fishing for men, if we're not sharing our faith, then we're not following Jesus. And so as a church, we've been talking about what that means to be a follower who does what God directs us to do, yes, there is an, a, a, an obedience there that we're, we do, but it's really out of a, a love and an excitement and this thing about how we value and treasure Jesus and we, we know what that means to us and, and we love him so much that we just can't stand, we want other people to have that. It's, it's not just a, an, an obedience thing, but it's a, it's a, why in the world would I not want somebody to have what I have in Jesus? You know, it's that thing you've heard said of, you know, Christians look at people who aren't Christians and go, why in the world would you not want this? But then we know that those who are far from God are looking at us going, you do what? Yet you, get, you give a certain amount of your money? You spend your time doing what? You, 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 I, don't, I don't get all that. Why in the world would anybody want to do that? But as Christians knowing Christ... We just go, why in the world would nobody want... Why would... If, if you just knew him the way I knew him, you would want this. And so God calls us into this journey that he started through Jesus in, in that people who have been saved, uh, you know, are, are saved to be in the helping other people become saved business, saved ministry, it's we're reconciled to be reconcilers. And, and, and I, want, I, I won't go into all the verses, but we saw that Christians sh should and should want to share their faith with other people. We love what we have and want others to have it also. And then we saw how hard that can be given the changes in culture and where people are and their understanding and, and, and their disposition to the gospel, and, and it takes 
different means to reach different people. The gospel doesn't change. As I'm going to present today and show you, it's, it's the same message. It's, it's the same gospel message, the same good news of Jesus Christ. When I say gospel, because that's become a very popular word in church world today, um, it, it, the gospel is just, it means the good news of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. It's what Jesus has done for us. And, and so when I say that word so that you understand, that's, that's what that is. But it takes different means to reach different people. And we saw from Acts 2 to Acts 17 the difference in that, in the approach Paul took, depending on how much the people knew about God and the Bible and who he was and, and how close to that line of faith of making that decision people were. And, and so we talked about where our culture is today. And in America, it's farther away from the message of Jesus, the good news, the gospel, than ever before. And, and so on a, we talked about that scale on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being far from God and 10 being someone who has become a Christian and crossed that line of faith, someone who's a born-again Christian. Um, we're at a, like a 3 these days, whereas in the 50s, 60s, you know, we were, people were at a 9. So Billy Graham could have a crusade, stand up and go... Uh, you need Jesus, and people would take that step. You could just start with, Jesus died for your sins, the Bible says, and people would, because would, they, they had already knew so much about it growing up in America during that time that, that they were right there. But these days, you know, people are so far removed fr from it. Kids aren't growing up in homes that know anything about much spiritually, much less about Jesus Christ. They hear just a lot of negative stuff and judgmental and homophobic and all those things, but they, they don't really know much about what Jesus did for them and, what, and understand who God really is, and we're going to talk more about uh, the questions people have and, and the things that hinder people today. We're going to, uh, from Easter on, we're going to do a series that is specifically there to help, one, the questions that people have these days. So it's a great time, Easter, to invite somebody into this series we're going to start. But two, uh, it, it will help you understand how to talk about and even help you understand, well, I never knew how to answer that, so I kind of avoid it with my lost friends because, because I really don't know how to answer that question. Like, what, why did God order all these people killed in the Old Testament, and, you know, women and children, to, you know, what, what you know, what kind of God would do that? Like, how do you answer that with somebody when they go, when they start to question the character of God and say, well, the God of the Old Testament seems like a really mean, wrathful guy, but the God of the New Testament, you know, Jesus seems very loving. I don't get it. Is, is, is it a, how can that be the same God? So we'll talk about a lot of that because it's a lot of the questions people have today. But, but we talked about culture and, and, and how we don't change the message, but the approach may have to change. It just takes longer with people these days. We have to build relationships, earn their trust, maybe not try to force it down their throats, but maybe ask more questions than we actually try to give answers for so that we get to understand where they are and learn how to help them better and find out what the issues really are because a lot of the issues that we think are there probably aren't there. And yet today we find ourselves here, and this is the, the, the difficult part, the odd part for us, is, is we're still in Tennessee, Granger County. We're in the, the Bible Belt, so to say, 
still trying to reach people who have mostly heard, uh, mostly been in church or mostly heard uh, the gospel before, okay? We're still sort of in that environment. And, and so as Matt Chandler once stated about planning a church in Texas, which where he is at one point was called like the, the evangelical center of the world, um, he said this, and this is the way I've always felt being here, is he said, what became clear to me, the mission that God had put me in the middle of was to proclaim the gospel to people who thought they already knew the gospel in the hope that they might actually hear the gospel. Do you get that? That's interesting. So, so I'm trying to share the message of Jesus in a culture here that has heard the message of Jesus many times. Okay? It, it, for example, I mean, most of you guys have been here, so that's a good thing, but um, anybody here in the, you know, even before you got to this church, anybody here before coming to this church, you never, ever, not one time heard the gospel before, never heard the message of Jesus before coming here, okay? One person, okay? Interesting to grow up in Tennessee and not really hear that, okay? But, but most of us, even before coming to church, grew up in that, heard it all of our lives, or heard it somehow, and I'm pleasantly surprised that somebody's here that hasn't heard, because it tells us where culture may be, but it's, but it's like being inoculated, right, to grow up in church. This is the fear for me as a, as a pastor. We're going to get to Romans chapter 5 here in just a minute, but, but here's the fear for me. I'm a pastor of a church, and my son is growing up in that. My kids, both, both of my, ki- my sons and Amber are growing up in a church and hearing it all the time, Okay. So if, if you get a vaccine for the flu, what are you actually getting, being given? A shot of the flu, okay? You're being given the flu to keep you from getting the flu. And it builds up immunity to it, okay? That's, that's the concept. But here's, here's the thing. It, it can be the same way in church. You grow up hearing it, and it's like your kids get inoculated. They get... They, they get the vaccine, that the church vaccine, from the gospel. And they've heard it so many times that their hearts are a little bit callous to it because they've heard it and heard it and heard it. They've heard it, but, but have they ever, do, do they really hear it? And, and that's a different issue. So in the same way, many people hear the good news of Jesus, the gospel, so much that they, it's almost like people become immune to it. And they don't even know it. So we have, I mean, just just looking around and what I've experienced, we have churches in the South full of people who mostly don't seem to really get it. They don't seem like they've really, really heard it. So you can see the context that we're in and, and, and that we've been in and why I share Jesus the way I do, especially from here, but even out in my daily life and doing the things I do. I mean, I've had conversations with, with at least four people in the last two weeks, and all of them had that background. Just just telling me, uh, one of the guys to the point of uh, talking about how he felt called to be a preacher at one point. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's that deep in everybody that you talk to. It's the culture that we're in. And so you have to do that in your approach, um, understanding the context, and that's one of the things we talked about, as well, you know, you have, as well as giving them that message, you have to watch your approach to it. Because it, it's, it's that thing here where people have been given that IQ test. I talk about that all the time, and that's why, because in our context, it's that way. It's that way of, around here. So many people, you know, grew up around VBS. Even if your parents didn't go to church, it was free childcare. They'd just send you to VBS. Man, they got, they got weeks of the summer just to have some free time for a moment, right? So they send you to VBS, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it. And it, and it becomes that heaven-hell thing, and it's, it's, it becomes more about that, you know? And, and I took the IQ test. Of course I want to go to heaven. If that's what I'm being presented and that's true, of course I want to go to heaven. So just pray the magic prayer. Okay, I'll pray the prayer, sure. And so now, you know, you're always saved if you, if you do that is what you're telling me. So good deal. I'm good. And, and, and you, tr- go to, uh, you walk away from that trying in your own power because did you really get it trying in your own power to live this christian life and you keep falling and keep falling and keep falling and you just don't seem to get anywhere and have a deep relationship with with jesus and i keep messing up and sin still seems to have a hold on me because it was that thing of choosing heaven over hell not god over everything because you loved him so much because you really value and treasure jesus so now you're just trying to beat sin in your own and it doesn't work or you know, or or you've got that thing of, um, one you know I, I I gave my life to Christ, I, I prayed the prayer, and so therefore uh, I have eternal security. I'm, I'm good, and so I can go live however I want to, and and freedom becomes your anthem, and and so I can do whatever I want to do, and and I just come back to church, empty out my sin bucket on Sundays, and then go back out and do whatever I want because I, I prayed the prayer. I did that one time, but it didn't really change your life because did you really get it? Or you've just been this kind of person who, who you understood. You grew up in church or you've been around it or you've heard it before, and, and you get that idea of, you know, God really hates it when I sin. Like, it, it doesn't go well between me and him if I sin. Like he doesn't like me very much when I do that. So I'm going to, I need to, I, so you go about trying not to sin all the time and be a good person. And so if I don't do that, he'll like me, so I'm not going to do that. And it, and it becomes your religion of being, of be, just being good. And good people going to church, active, not doing any wrong, just just trying to stay good with God. And none of that action makes you righteous in and of itself. Righteousness comes purely from that right standing with God because of what Jesus has done for you, and then that changes how you go about approaching sin, not because you you avoid sin on the front end. That That's backwards. And so let me give you what what I would say, here's the gospel if I'm giving to someone, if I'm talking about it, here's how I would share, like in this room this morning, if there's somebody here, it, it might go um, this way. And I'll, I'll just point out the basics as we go. And you need to, as a follower of Christ, 
be able to share the basics because there's people you can talk to and, and you can be, would well, you believe in God? Yeah. Yeah, well, I believe in God. Oh, we're good then. We just move on. No, well, well do they believe in the same God you're talking about? And, and they may or may not be, okay? So there's some specifics that we need to be able to cover and share. And, and, then, and then there's that deal of being able to share your personal testimony, which I'm going to incorporate in what I'm doing this morning. But I'm not sure if David's going to cover that more next week. Maybe, um, maybe where we go, but I'll, I'll leave that up to him. But here's a question um, that you've been asked probably since you've been able to speak, okay, as a child. And, and I, I want to ask a couple of you to share with me. And this question is this. You ready? What do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody want to answer that question? A roofer. A roofer. Yeah. He's working on it. He's a, he, you're living the dream, right? <laughs> you're a Toys R Us kid? Anybody? Bailey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm just picking on you. A mom, okay. Oh, all of our childcare people. You know, nobody, anybody, anybody say this is when I was a kid. This is what I wanted to be. What was your dream? Work with dogs. There you go. Living the dream. All right. Anybody else? You wanted to be a police woman. Wow. Very good. <laughs> she wanted to be Charlie's Angels. That's pretty cool. All right. <laughs> yeah. Keep dreaming. <laughs> That's my brother. I can say that. Okay. I'm pick on him. But um, I don't. I don't know. Maybe you're not even interested when you're where you're going with that, or. Um, Maybe you're just having fun in life and don't really care where you're going or whatever it is. But regardless, um, what you think about that question is, is something that is it's asked all the time. And even the way it's asked is, is very, it can, it can make life confusing. Um, because your parents, your grandparents... Everybody's asked you that question since you could talk, and you, then you get into school and you have guidance counselors, and it's all about what are you going to what do you want to do with your life, and where you what do you want to be when you grow up, and they start asking you that question, right? What career path? You get into college, you, and, and they start taking these tests about career paths and and what kind of personality you have, and and, and all those things, and and it's it lights being really weird. Is anybody else seeing that, or am I like being okay? I don't know what's happening with that lighter, if y'all can help me, but um, it's very distracting. There's some things that happen in church, and you just, like, go on. Um, like, two EMS guys can come through with a gurney, and I just keep rolling, and it doesn't bother me. But that light's bugging me, okay? I don't know what that is. That's actually happened before the other thing, okay? Thanks, Dad. Um, but th that was Kingswood days. It's not happened in a while, but... Now I can't even see my paper because that thing got so bright. <laughs> but I don't even know if you guys are still here anymore. You may have left. I don't know. Um, but then you get into high school and college, and they start, you start taking all those tests and all those things, and it's like uh, it just seems like all of life is driven towards 
what are you going to be when you grow up, right? And even the way it's worded there is very tricky, okay? And, and everything in your life is, is geared towards that goal of becoming that person. And, and so we begin to think whatever we do career-wise is who we are, right? You ever listen to two adults meet each other for the first time and they, and they pay attention to how it goes because there's always those same four questions. Like first time you meet somebody and you're standing there talking, if you talk long enough, hey, well, what's your name? I, okay, I'm Marty. Nice to meet you. You, you have any family? Yeah, you got kids, that kind of stuff, married? Yeah, where do you live? You know, that's usually another question. Oh, I, li- I live here in Granger County. I live down Blaine or Bean Station, Rutledge, whatever it is. What's the next question, fourth question? So what do you do, right? It's, it's always in there. And what we do seems to define who we are, the big question. What do you want to be? And, and, and notice it's not what do you want to do when you grow up. Not, not what do you want to do as a career or vocation. It's interesting. What, what do you want to be? As though what you do is, is, is who you are. It's why you exist. It's what do you want to be when you grow up? Wrong wording as far as I see it. What do you want to do? What do you want to do as a career vocation? But what if there was a better way to go about this whole thing? And we'll get there in a minute, but I grew up the same way, dreaming about what I would be, what I would do when I grew up, still do sometimes. But I've I've moved a a lot growing up. We moved from state to state and up near northern Kentucky, near Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Louisville, back down to Tennessee. We moved a lot growing up. And uh, everywhere we moved... I was always the new kid trying to make friends, and so I was always tr- just trying so hard to be as cool as I could so I could make some friends because I was always the new kid, right? And, and, and so that affected how I am today. Like, I'm not really this talk, like Rocky, my mentor, nailed me at one point uh, back when he and I were hanging out f- at first. He would call me a sanguine wannabe, you know, this personality types, the popular, talkative, talks to people in the line at Walmart, that kind of person, personality type. Like, he, he would say, no, you're just a sanguine wannabe. And it's, and it's because my growing up, being that new kid all the time, if I wanted friends, I had to talk to people. So my personality is not really that. I'm like a, an introvert who's an extrovert wannabe. This is kind of what he was saying. And, and so it affected how I, how I am. But, but I was always trying so far, so hard. So for me to be cool back in the 80s, you'll find this interesting. This is early 80s. You had to have, uh, we called it a jam box, okay? You had to have this, anybody, some of you are old enough to understand, some of you are older than that and go, we couldn't even carry around what we had because you, you had to have, you didn't have batteries to plug in an 8-track, you know, you didn't have batteries in an 8-track to carry around with you. That'd be weird, one of those big two-piece 8-track deals. Um, I remember those too, but but I, you had to have a jam box, and it had one of these. Emmanuel, look at this. Do you know what that is? Yeah, your dad has some, I bet, right? Do y'all? They're like, look at that, Dad. Look, you know. If you went back there in the back, kids would look at it and go, "What in the world is that? It's got wheels. Is it some kind of car? You know, like wouldn't have any clue." Okay, but you had a jam box, and you had a cassette tape that had to go in it. You had these, okay. 
It's not, it, it was very hard to carry around all of your music. It wasn't in your phone or on a little iPod. You had to have multiple of these. This lasts like 60 to 90 minutes, okay? It was, and so you had to carry around this big radio to play it. Or as a runner, I had a Walkman. Yeah, Sony Walkman, right? So you had this little box, and I would actually go running and carry that with me, okay? And have my headphones, not the earbuds. We didn't have any of those. You had actual headphones with the Sony Walkman and run. And so I learned to run uh, very fluidly so those didn't shake off my head. It actually helped my form a little bit, okay? So always forward motion instead of up and down. But it, but it was good. So, so I had to carry, I, I would carry this thing around trying to be cool, playing my music, Rock Me Amadeus, you know, all that going on, little Michael Jackson, whatever it may be. Um, so there was some of that in there, but when I wanted to be really cool, and, and I was one of those kids that I, I was great in front of the parents, like, oh, the parents loved me. He's such a nice kid. And that was the, the front to be, do whatever I wanted to do behind the scenes, right? And, and so when I was out of sight, so I go to church, not because I want to go to church, but because it's a social scene and there's girls there and, and I can take my jam box and be cool and meet some new friends and, and most of them are Christians. They're supposed to be nice, so they kind of have to hang out with me and like me, so I'll go there, right? That's kind of what's in your thinking as a, as a kid. And so as a middle schooler, I get on the, the local Methodist church bus in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and I've got my jam box, right? And I turned up the best music ever, 80s music, okay? Especially the, the rockers. And I had my brand new John Bon Jovi, the Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet album cassette tape, okay? So I was ready. And you put that in there and you turn it up on the bus. And eventually the youth pastor comes back to the back of the bus and says, Hey, man, hey, you care to turn that down just a little bit? And I'm thinking, sure, I'll be nice to this guy because, you know, you got you to play that, you know, nice kid thing and whatever. And, but in my mind, I'm thinking, who doesn't want to hear my music? And loud, right? But I wasn't thinking. See, here's the point. I wasn't thinking about anybody else. I was just worried about myself and, and having friends for myself and them liking me and them thinking I was great. And, and I thought it would impress people and they'd think I was really cool. You see how far I've come, right? You can laugh at that, really. Then I figured out, you're like, you better not laugh at that because you may have issues, okay? Then I figured out, okay, I could run really fast for a long way. So in middle school, I started running track and cross country, did really good, got into high school and set some records, uh, won some state events, thought how great it would be to represent the United States in the Olympics, right? And I wanted to be the best so bad I'd be running along and I would even cry thinking about being in the Olympics. It was really weird, okay? But, but, I, but my deal there was still about me. I thought, I would just love for everybody to think I'm the best and how great I am, right? Then I got into college and I thought, man, I want to make a lot of money. So I kind of shifted, still running, but I went into real estate, got out of school, selling, renting commercial building stuff down in Knoxville. My parents were here, and so I was on my way with that. But then something happened. Like everything before that, it was about me. It was, it was all about me. And one day I became aware of something greater than all that. Okay? Greater than me. Greater than Bon Jovi. Okay? 
greater than the Olympics, greater than anything I had ever, greater than the lifestyles of the rich and famous, right? I couldn't, I couldn't seem to find satisfaction no matter what I did. And I wanted to know what more there was. And all of a sudden I became aware of this whole thing. I've got this thing flipped upside down. It's backwards, right? And the greater thought that, that, I, that, was, that I was made aware of was this. If it's true there's a God who created all that I see, if there's this God that's created all this, what does he want me to do with my life? If he's who he says he is in the Bible, then why don't I do what he made me to do? If God really loves me that much, and he does, why would I not want to know him and honor him with my life? And so in Romans 5, 6 through 8, let's look at that because that's where this begins to make sense, okay? That was my five-minute introduction to get us to Romans 5. Cool, all right? Romans 5, verse 6 says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless... And it was this thing of, I want to change, but I can't. I was powerless. I can't do anything about the fact that I'm broken, okay, that I've got issues. There's some power keeping me locked into this behavior, into the, this pattern I'm in, into this life that just doesn't really make sense, that has no satisfaction in it. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's a big part of that right there, ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us. There's another big part of this. In this, while we were still sinners or ungodly, Christ died for us. Okay? And, and here's the deal about this morning. I'm using Romans 5. You can look at John 3.16. You can go to... In Colossians, there's, there's so many... You can go through the Bible and, and you can get this presentation over and over and over and get these same truths about the gospel and what the message is. But the real problem starts right there. One, we have to co- let people know there's a God that made all of us, that created all of this, um, created you and me, created this world that we're in. He loves us, but there's a pro- we have a problem. The problem is right there. You have to acknowledge the ungodly part and understand that's part of who you are. I'm not calling you that personally, but Paul is. In the scriptures, he says there that you're ungodly. Um, And and before you get all offended, because some people are like, you're calling me ungodly, okay? Listen, you may not say you're ungodly, but you you would probably say, well, I'm just not perfect. That sounds better, doesn't it? Okay, we can go with that. It's a play on words. So, so let's go this way. God is perfect, and you are not like God, so you're ungodly, okay? No matter how good you are, okay? You're not ungodly because you're the worst of people. You're just not God, and we're all glad, right? I'm glad that you're not. You're glad that I'm not, Okay? You're not ungodly because you're the worst of people. You're just not God. We're all ungodly. So real quick, just to wake you up a little bit, guys, don't, not with your wife, look around at somebody that is not your wife and just look at somebody around you and just, just say, and that's just for your own safety, men, on the wife thing, just, just look at somebody and say, you're ungodly. 
You have the freedom to do that. It feels good, like do that. Like look at somebody and say you're ungodly, okay? Just one or two people, okay? Some of you are getting carried away. You're like going down the row, okay? <laughs> Don't stand up and start walking around doing that, okay? Um, just one person, please, okay? Um, but it feels good to say that to people, right? Because it kind of takes the focus of, off of us that we are also. See, even though you probably, maybe you haven't been to church in a while because you thought all those church people think they're just so perfect, right? And, and holy, but they're hypocrites, really. Um, we, we know we're hypocrites, okay? We all are, okay? We don't get it right all the time. We, we, we know we're ungodly, and we're all in this together. But here's the deal. Even someone who's not a Christian, they don't live up to their own belief system either. There's people who are not Christians that would say, well, you're not supposed to lie, but have they ever lied? There's people who are not Christians who would say, uh, I know you're not supposed to steal, or you're not supposed to treat others this way, or you're not supposed to do this, but do they get it right every time? You're not supposed to be selfish. You shouldn't treat people this way. Nobody gets their own belief system right. We're all hypocrites. So this is a great place to be because we're all just saying, yeah, we're, we're all, we all don't live up to it. We're just trying to learn how to do it better, okay, and trying to help each other along in the process. We're not trying to say we're better than anybody else. This is the place to be if you don't have it all together. We understand that, okay? And, and, and then it hit me. The reason I hadn't seen all this before or really understood this is, is I realized that there was a part of me that was dead and unaware. That was the problem, right? That I'm, I'm, I'm really dead is what the Bible would say. And when you're dead, you just can't do anything for yourself. And let me explain what I mean by that because obviously I wasn't physically dead. It was worse. It's being spiritually dead. Okay? Listen to what, the, what it says in, in verse 12 in Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, right? And so that one man was who? That sin entered the world through one man. It's talking about Adam, right? And because we're all descendants of Adam, we're born with a sin nature, and death came to us through sin. Okay? They had this one rule. We think God's all about rules, but you know, <clears throat> it, God it really isn't all about rules. He created man and woman, put them in a garden, gave them one rule. <clears throat> And then the people of Israel lived for, for a long time before God gave them ten more, the Ten Commandments, which are just the basics of humanity, if you want to know the truth. We think, oh my gosh, how could God make all these rules, the Ten Commandments? Don't kill each other. I mean, is that so hard to, to like live by? You know what I'm saying? Like when you look at that, it's like, it's not that, it's, it's the basic of human living if we're going to get along on this planet, okay? So God's never been this big rule maker, it's just, we're just so messed up. And every time he has to kind of step in and go, hey, just don't do that, okay? Because we couldn't even follow one rule. And, and all of us are in that same boat. And it's not all Adam's fault. We did, Adam did exactly what we all would have done and have done even now in our lives, okay? So sin entered through him. The problem is not that sin makes you bad, although bad is bad and good, God is good, okay? 
and we're ungodly. Falling short and doing bad is bad. Okay, don't not hear that. But it's not just that sin makes you bad, it's sin makes you dead, okay, spiritually. No life, no eternal life, which is no relationship with God, okay? Don't know God intimately, which is what we were made for, okay? But the good news is, is that God has a, had a plan. In, in, in knowing this ahead of time of how things would be, he has a plan. And his plan was for Jesus to come and die for us for our ungodliness, for our sin, to die on the cross in our place, which allows us to be forgiven of our sin and made alive spiritually, okay? And, and so, could you imagine what this meant to Paul, a guy who's writing this, for him to know this Jesus who is God, he was there from the beginning, who made us and all things, the Trinity, the triune God, for him to be in, in on this and he comes to earth and dies for us, that at the very moment, okay, Paul was alive while Jesus is dying on the cross, okay? That at the very moment Jesus hung on the cross and died for him, at that very moment when Jesus had the sin of the world placed on him and endured the wrath we deserved, at that moment Paul realizes I was alive and, and I, I was off just sending my brains out at the very moment Jesus was paying for it. Can you imagine how Paul felt about that? Knowing that. Imagine what this means to Paul. Real time for Paul to write what he's writing here. And it should mean the same to us and, and be unimaginable that Jesus would give his life for us. Who would do that? And that's what makes God's love so great, okay? For us today, it means that he, he died for your past sins, for the ones you'll make this afternoon, for the ones you may be making right now. I don't know. I'm not judging you, okay? I don't know. I'm not sure where you're at and what's going on in your mind, okay? And it gets better. Listen to this, verse 17. Jump down there. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness, and it's a big word, righteousness. What that is is just a, a right standing with God, okay? And the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, Okay? It's saying if Adam could do that to you, imagine Jesus fixing that for you. You know it's done. Hear me on this. You can't say you can't be forgiven for what you've done and can't live a Christ-like life. You can't say, but Marty, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. I'll, I just have to know this, and this is what we all have to know. You, you can't say that the power of Adam is greater than the power of Jesus. Because that's what you're saying if you're saying, my sin's too great for Jesus to take care of. Because that comes through what Adam did. And Adam is not more powerful than what Jesus can do. You're saying that what Adam did cannot be undone by what Jesus did? You're giving Adam more credit than Jesus. And that's not the case. But I want to give 
all the credit this morning to Jesus this morning. I love the life he has given me much better than anything I could come up with on my own. I, I, I mean, now that I understand what he made me for and I'm following him and, and I love what I do, but, but I love how Matt Chandler talks about now everything in my life doesn't, the joy and the pleasure of it doesn't terminate on the, on the thing I enjoy in life, like being a pastor or being a dad or a husband because now I enjoy that but, but it doesn't terminate there in that enjoyment of that as, as he would say I love how he puts it that enjoyment rolls up to praise to God and now there's a continuation of that enjoyment on a higher level so I can eat a steak and it just isn't finished with well that was a good steak it, it, it folds over for me, and, and somebody who doesn't know Christ can't do this. They don't have this enjoyment to go to, to eat the steak and then have the enjoyment of going, thank you, God, for steak and food. And, um, and really, you can do that uh, just, just so that uh, Blake understands that. You, you can do that even with a steak, okay? If you know Blake, you'll know what I'm talking about, Okay. But you can do that. You can, you can roll that up and say, God, thank you for that steak and for, for allowing me to have that and enjoy that. And you made that. You created taste buds. You made, and you can sit there and just enjoy God because of that steak. Like everything in your life, okay? Everything that's, that's good. I mean, I want to be careful where I go. But, you know, even, even in my relationship with my wife, I mean, there's things you just go, it doesn't just end there. Okay? Right? Wink, wink. Okay? It, it, just tur- it can turn into, God, thank you for creating that and that activity between two people in, in a marriage relationship. It's wonderful, and, and thank you for that. And, I, and, and there's a continuation of the enjoyment. Somebody doesn't know God can't do that. And you just go, what? God is so good. Like, and it just, it just brings a, a... Life is so much bigger than our than us and, and it's what it's taught me and, and I, I get to go to places around the world and tell people about god and represent god to, to other people and and i'm on a mission with him to to do those great things and i'm not saying you have to be a preacher or a, mission, a missionary or a worship leader or a youth pastor or, or do any of those things it, it's being alive for his name's sake not your own and it's such a wonderful way to live. And it doesn't mean it's all easy all the time and circumstances are great uh, from here on out because you're a Christian, but you get a different perspective and you get the fruit of the Spirit that comes out of you. And so you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control that just is in you. And no matter what goes on around you, you have all that. And it's okay. it'll be okay it'll be okay because you have him and you can lose I can lose my wife I can lose and I couldn't imagine any of that happening okay sitting back here talking to Sammy this morning and talking about Bob we talked about him at prayer time this morning and her losing her husband and and the still how how that pulls on her even this morning walking in here I couldn't imagine losing a spouse but but this I know for sure is there's a joy in Christ that can get you through that and the fruit of the Spirit when, you, when you're connected to God. And I don't know how somebody that doesn't have that can walk through those things. 
and have any kind of sense of, of peace, but God can give that to you when you lean into Him, to know what He made you for, you, you really you have to know God to understand all that. And it's bigger than what are you going to be when you grow up. And that gives you identity and purpose and fulfillment eternally, not just here and now. Because you've got to understand this eternal life thing. This is kind of where we want to wind it down to because that's, that's basically the things I, I talk about with people when I present the gospel. And I'll give you a, a short little list of what those things were. And you just say it in your own words to people. But, but here's what I like to go to is because you can, you can ask all kinds of people, but what is eternal life? What is that? What's this really all about? What is eternal life? And, and as many people and as many churches as in Granger County, you get a different answer for that. But the Bible tells us, John 17, 3, this is eternal life. It says, here's what it is. That you may know God, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ, who he, whom he has sent. This is eternal life. It's to know God. Okay? The real God. And that word know is, is not just, okay, well, I, I understand who he is and I know who he is. and It's an intimate, I have a relationship with him. And you can't have that standing in your sin that hasn't been paid for. You have to have Jesus, his death, burial, you have to have his blood applied to you, the sacrifice of Jesus received and applied to you in order for you to be able to, to have that kind of intimate relationship. Otherwise, your sin and your ungodliness make you spiritually dead and you don't get it. You, you can't have that. It separates you from him. So this is eternal life, that you, that you know God, the only true God, Jesus Christ, who's he sent. That's how you get the, That's how you know him. You have to understand what Jesus did for you. It's knowing God through Jesus. A relationship. You hear his voice, right? My voice in my head. I know him because I know what he's like because I, I, read, I understand from Scripture who he is. I know him. And through knowing him, you get eternal life, real life. That's, that's why heaven's great. That's why we go back to that every time. It is, you'll get to be with him forever, okay? And you can live what you were made for, okay? And so at some point, as we've talked about building relationships with people, right? You're building relationships with people, caring about them, loving them. At some point, because I know we were, we're careful, we got, we got to earn their respect and their trust to have the opportunity to share effectively, but at some point, you do have to share the gospel with them. I mean, it, it, it plagues me because I, I still have that too. I've, I've been friends with people like 10 years and have never sat down and shared the gospel with them, knowing they're lost, and they would tell me that. And, and, and going back through this has so convicted me that I've set up things with people, knowing in my mind, I'm doing this because... I'm going back to people I haven't hung around for, for a long time because I'm going, I never shared it with them. And, and I'm going to be intentional this time because I value them more than I value the relationship. Like I, I love them and care for them more than I care about me having a comfortable relationship with them. Because one day our friendship will end if they don't know Christ. 
It'll be over. So we have to present this to him, to people. God made everything. He's eternal. Jesus is that is God, triune God. We have fallen. We're separated from him by our sin. God loves us, therefore had a plan. Jesus came and died on the cross in our place to bring us forgiveness and give us a right standing before God, that righteousness. And Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, defeating death and bringing us new life. And that's what changes us. It's not just being forgiven. It's a new life with him. And if we place our trust in Jesus, we have faith in who he is and what he has done for us, then we receive that salvation and we're made alive in Christ and have eternal life. Then our lives change and we tell others about Jesus and bring glory to God the Father. And that, that is just worth more than anything I could ever do for myself. John 17, 4. After John 17, 3, it says this. The result of that relationship, 17, 3, is 17, 4. I have brought you glory on the earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. It, it, it goes right back to Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. His work of art, his poem, is what that literally means. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's not that the works save you. It's Jesus saves you. But then he saves you and you stay on this earth because he has good works for you to do. And one of those is fishing for men. So are you interested in living for you or do you see who God is and now want to live for him and what he made you for? So if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Really? You just need to do that. Right now, right where you're sitting, you can have eternal life. You may be here this morning and, and, and you've gone, I, I, be, I was inoculated to it. I didn't really get it. I didn't really understand it. But th- this, is, this is, makes sense to me. And for the first time, I get it. There's like something that came on in, in, your, in your heart and in your mind this morning. You feel him calling him, you to himself. Realize I'm really dead because of sin. I've never had that relationship. I just go to church out of good works, out of religion, because that's what good people do, and it keeps me on God's good side. Well, it doesn't if you don't have Jesus and have a relationship. So what do I need to do then, Marty? Well, it's just like Peter said at Pentecost. You repent, get baptized, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So the part you just have to do is put your faith in Jesus, you repent, and, and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and begin to change you. Okay? So, so it's like, it's, it's the same thing I, I, I tell you all the time. And this, this is something, you're sitting with somebody, it's this, it's this simple. It's, hey, been going along, being God of your own life, separated from God by your sin, being Lord of your own life, trying to save yourself trying to do things for yourself. But here's Jesus who knows you can't do it. And you see who he is. And now all you got to do is repent. You turn from your sin and yourself as Lord of your life and you turn to him. And now Jesus is Lord of your life. He can save you. And he can give your life great purpose. So you just put your faith in him that he died on the cross in your place for your sin. And you're now his. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, 
That's what we want to present to people. And maybe that's you've taken that in this morning. I just want to give you a time to have that conversation with God because it's not a magic prayer that I lead you in. And if you repeat the words after me, then it works. You have to understand what we've talked about and you surrender and put your faith in Jesus. And you can have that conversation with God right where you're sitting. You can walk an aisle and come down here and I can help you more or we can go talk afterwards. It, all that doesn't matter. There's a transaction that happens in your heart with God and that can happen anywhere. So if that's you this morning, just take a moment and, and work that out with God. Father, right now I just pray that those who you're drawing to yourself, that they would just surrender to you right now in this moment. That they would see your son, Jesus, as the treasure that he is. That he's worth more than anything we can do in this life. That life is, is not about anything other than your son, Jesus. That everything else is just a side note to all that. Father, I just pray that whatever the barriers are, you would break those down right now and people would just embrace you. That they would see the truth of who you are. They would give up on being good enough, being religious enough, give up on trying to do it their own way. And they would just see that you have done it for them. And they can live with you now and forever with great identity and value and purpose for their lives. Father, for the rest of us, we just, we just thank you for making a way for us to be alive spiritually and know you, to have a purpose greater than ourselves. May we go out and share that with other people. May you make us fishers of men. If, if we know you, you're going to do that. And so, Father, would you just move us that way that we would go forward into our job, our workplaces, uh, into our schools, into our community, and just be people who fish for men that we would see the value of your son and just want everyone to know how wonderful he is. Give us boldness to speak, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.